0: Let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 16. In the 15th chapter of the book of Revelation, we had sort of the introduction to chapter 16. As we saw the seven angels in heaven who are given the seven final plagues, which complete the judgment of God upon the earth. And these seven angels came out of the temple they were clothed in pure white linen. And one of the cherubim gave to the angels these vials of wrath to pour out upon the earth. And the temple of God was filled with the smoke from the glory of God. And it was closed now to man. No man was able to enter in during the time that these seven plagues are being poured out upon the earth. So John said, I heard a great voice now coming out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And so the command, that awesome command is now given from the temple of God And these angels are dispatched with the seven final plagues with which God will smite the earth prior to the sending of His Son to take dominion and control and to rule over the earth. So the first angel went forth and poured out his vial upon the earth And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon man which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. It would seem that God now makes a distinction that this noisome which literally is a running sore, a ulcer type of a sore that doesn't heal, much like one gets from radiation burns that God makes a distinction between those who are faithful to him and those who have worshipped the beast and taken his mark. For the fact that it comes upon those which have the mark and those that worship his image does seem that God is now making a difference. We remember when God poured out his plagues upon the Egyptians that God made a difference at that time and that the judgments fell upon the Egyptians, but God protected the Israelites from those judgments. Though there was darkness over all of the land of Egypt, there was light in the camp of Israel. And God made provisions to protect His people. He had them put the blood upon the lintels and the doorposts of their house so that they would not be uh, grieved with the loss of the firstborn as were the Egyptians when the Lord passed through Egypt that night and killed the firstborn of the whole land. God making the difference between those that are His and those that are not His and such is the case as this first angel pours out his vial and men break out with these horrible sores. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. Notice first one touches the earth, the second one touches the sea. It became as blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. Just how God is to accomplish this is a matter of speculation. And uh, as we study some of the natural phenomena of the past, we realize uh, that there are many ways by which these things could happen. Immanuel Velikovsky in his book, Worlds in Collision, a book whereby his premise that he seeks to prove is that the planet Venus was introduced into our solar system within the last 10,000 years, within the period of recorded history. And according to his premise, the plagues that came upon Egypt were a result of a near miss with the planet Venus as it was coming in an erratic orbit into the solar system that it passed close by the earth, that the earth was moved from its uh, orbit that it had at that time. You see, they used to predicate time on a 360-day year. And then suddenly we started moving to 365 and a quarter for we realize that that's how much time it takes for us to make our orbit around the sun. But it is his premise that the 360-day year was a correct year. Of course, if you figured on a 360 day year within, you know, five years all of your seasons would be totally fouled up. And every, you know, 20 years or so you'd have to, you'd be completely off in your seasons. So the 360 day year must have been an accurate calculation. But, the 365 and a quarter, he does believe that the earth used to rotate in the opposite direction of it of the present rotation. A lot of interesting things that he presents in that book challenges your thinking. But he does feel that the near miss caused a uh, tremendous amount of debris to be brought into our atmosphere. And that as it disintegrated in our atmosphere as the meteorites do, that they, they turned into a red dust that fell all over the earth and as it fell into the waters, it turned them to a bloody red as the waters in Egypt were turned to, uh, to a bloody red and made undrinkable. Interesting premise. It is also interesting that one of the Concerns that the scientists have today is that of a large asteroid perhaps getting caught in its orbit within the Earth's gravitational pull and being drawn to the Earth. And the tremendous devastation that would come if we would have a collision with an asteroid that was, say, five miles or more in diameter. And presently, they are watching an asteroid whose orbit is bringing it within a, a uh, ast- as far as the, astro- the astronomical calculations go, it's going to bring it into a fairly close orbit. It's about a 75 mile wide asteroid which would do tremendous devastation to the earth should we collide with such an asteroid. There are several thousand asteroids in the solar system, most of them around the planet Jupiter. There is that asteroid belt and they have calculated the orbits of many of these asteroids, some 2,000 of them, have an orbit that at some time is to interact with the Earth. So the chances of asteroids hitting the Earth are three in a million every year. (laughs) So uh, there have been in the past Asteroids that have collided with the Earth, the crater that is out there near Winslow, Arizona, three miles, uh, in diameter. They feel that that was probably an asteroid. And they also feel that an asteroid of that size impacting the Earth is enough to tilt the Earth or push the Earth. In other words, you get, if it hits at the right angle, it would flip the Earth. And there's a lot of uh, speculation now that the physicists who believe that an asteroid, such as one that hit in the desert in Arizona there, would have been capable of pushing the earth so that suddenly, say we were living here in this pleasant Southern California climate, But if the asteroid would hit the earth at the right angle, it could suddenly push us under the Arctic mass of air. In just a, you know, in a minute's time, we would be under this Arctic air and everything in a moment would be flash frozen. Instead of sitting in this balmy weather of, 50 degrees or so, which it will go down to tonight, we suddenly would be in 50 degree below zero weather and everything would just be frozen. And they believe that that's perhaps what has happened in the past and that explains the mammoths that are frozen in Siberia uh, who evidently at the time that this catastrophe took place were munching on tropical vegetation for they, in cutting their stomachs open, found tropical vegetation in their digestive tracts. But suddenly they were frozen in place and they feel that perhaps an asteroid hit and pushed the earth so that it twisted and an area that was once tropical was suddenly pushed under the mass of Arctic air and frozen in place. And so, the, the change was not a gradual change, but sudden and catastrophic. And so, by what means God is going to bring to pass these judgments is left to speculation. What kind of phenomena whether it be a asteroid, giant asteroid, or what is something we don't know. Do you, of course, our scientists are so concerned about this that uh, our government and uh, Russia are spending millions of dollars in the research on this program. They are putting up a new telescope on Kit Mountain near Tucson, and its purpose will be just to track the asteroids and to... Uh, alert the 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 world of the dangers, and there is talk of if there it becomes an imminent danger of a particular asteroid coming into our gravitational field that we would send perhaps a space shuttle on out to the asteroid and try to divert its orbit. Or they have talked about even, you know, blowing the thing up with a atom bomb. But then they they, they on further study of that, realized that then we would be colliding with a lot of debris, and uh, that doesn't seem to be too pleasant a thought. So there, it, it is a, a a major scientific pro- project right now the project the protecting of the Earth from the possibility of impacting with asteroids that exist out here in our solar system, thousands of them, and over 2,000 whose orbits are already charted to at some time interact with us here on the planet Earth. Who knows? Next year we ought to have an interesting experience as uh, Halley's, Halley's Comet returns. And... Uh, unfortunately this time around we probably won't be able to see it as far as seeing the tail as it makes its orbit they predict now that the orbit will be made outside of the Sun or before it gets to the Sun and as it moves away will probably not be visible to the earth Uh, the tail of the comet is caused by uh, the uh, gravitational pull of the Sun as it begins to move away uh, a lot of the debris, it has this you know million mile tail of junk, just junk flying through the the sky. And uh, we will be coming into orbit with that junk that's in the tail of Halley's comet, and we'll have some interesting meteorite showers uh, after next year. Uh, though we may not see the actual comet tail and all, we probably will have some spectacular uh, displays of what are commonly called falling stars, but are debris from space that uh, come into our atmosphere. And of course, there are some 18,000 meteorites that come into our atmosphere every minute and are burned up as they, as they come into our atmosphere. Uh, small particles of space junk. Uh, that God has designed to dissolve for the most part uh, as they heat up through friction as they come speeding into the denser atmosphere around the earth and they they, they they, of course disintegrate or they burn out most of the time before they hit the earth. Some of them hit the earth and you've probably seen some of the meteorites that have fallen and uh, hit the earth. But God is going to bring these judgments. By what natural phenomena, we do not know. It could be that God will bring to pass something man has not yet seen up to this point. But you can be sure it's going to happen. And whatever causes the seas to uh, turn red like blood, and of course we've seen even here during those years where we have what is known as the red tide, uh, the plankton as it multiplies, that it, it gives the the water a reddish hue and, of course, the plankton take the oxygen out of the water and it's quite deadly to uh, the fish as the oxygen within the water is depleted by the red tide. Uh, it makes, of course, spectacles Spectacular viewing. Whenever we have a red tide, I love to go down to the beach at night and watch the surf because it looks like neon tubes. Uh, When the surf breaks, uh, the plankton, which has a lot of phosphorus in it, as the the wave rolls, the phosphorus lights up and it looks just like neon tubes lighting up in the ocean. And it's, it's spectacular to watch, but it's horrible to swim in. Uh, I, the surfing, you know, is bad in a red tide and uh, it just, the the water tastes horrible if you happen to get a swallow of it and it's just not, your eyes really burn when you uh, get water in your eyes in that red tide, but oh, how beautiful at night. And so uh, it could be a a massive red tide, uh, depleting the water of the oxygen, causing Uh, those souls within the sea to die. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water and they became as blood. So, not only will the ocean be turned as blood, but also now the rivers and fountains of water as did happen in Egypt and the water became undrinkable. So when this happens on a worldwide scale, imagine uh, what this is going to do to man when suddenly all of your fresh water supplies are polluted. They're about half polluted now. But in this particular plague, the water supplies being polluted. It's going to be devastating for man. And as the waters are turned to blood and made undrinkable, I heard the angel of the waters say, Now, later on we're going to have an angel standing in the sun. Here's an angel that God has put over the charge of the fresh waters. Interesting, these angels. They're going to be interesting uh, persons to meet. I'm sort of anxious to meet the angel that God has given charge over me, to watch over me. The Bible says, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, to bear thee up at any time lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so it's going to be interesting to meet the angel that's been watching out over me. I want to know what happened to him on a few occasions. (laughs) Sleeping on the job or something. But that's all right. I forgive him. I want him to know before I get there. that (laughs) I don't hold anything against him. (laughs) But it'll be fun to meet him. Now, here's an angel that God has put in charge of the waters. And the angel of the waters declares, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because you have judged thus it just sort of right on god what a perfect judgment you know one thing about god is that his judgments are right and here is the declaration of the righteousness of god's judgment and all the way through this whole period of judgment we find the voices that are declaring the righteousness of god's judgment It is interesting that though through heaven there comes the continual testimony of the righteousness of God's judgment, this is the thing that many people are concerned about and worried about is will God be fair? Would it be fair for God to condemn forever a man who never had the opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ Would it be fair for God to condemn forever a baby who died without ever having known or heard or being able to make a decision, etc., 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 on infinitum? Whatever God does will be absolutely fair. God will not be unfair. He'll not be unjust. You don't have to worry about that. And here as God turns the fresh water into blood, the angel says, Righteous God, man. That's right on. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and now you've given them blood to drink. They deserve it. I mean, it's righteous, Lord. I mean, they've shed so much blood. What a righteous judgment. They like blood so much, give them to drink, you know. Righteous. And I heard another angel out of the altar say, Amen, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And so the affirm, affirmation during the period of judgment of the righteousness of God's judgment. Abraham, when the Lord announced to him that he was going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, shall not the Lord of the earth be just? You know, shouldn't God be fair? What if there are 50 righteous people in that city? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Shouldn't God be fair? The Lord said, if there are 50 righteous, we'll spare the city. Hmm. But what if there are 40 righteous? 40 righteous will spare. What if there are 30? For 30 I'll spare. it. What if there are 20? What if there are 10? The Lord said if there are 10 righteous persons, we'll spare it for the 10. The angels got to the city of Sodom and found one righteous man. And so what did they do? They led him out and they said, hurry, get out of here. We can't destroy this thing until you're out. God is righteous. God is fair. The judgments of God are righteous and true. You can count on that. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of God. Uh, a lot of times we have the concept that if God would only send his judgment. That people would turn from their wickedness. That is generally not the case. When God sends his judgment, the righteous who have turned from the righteousness turn back to God. And and we do read in the Old Testament where the judgments of God caused the righteous to turn to the Lord. But the judgments of God so often just harden the heart of the impenitent. And such is the case during the great judgment period. Rather than turning these people to the Lord, they blaspheme God. these preachers who think that their sermons on hellfire and judgment and brimstone and all are going to turn people to the Lord are really not that versed in the Scripture. For the Scripture said, Know ye not that it is the goodness of God that bringeth a man to repentance. That's the thing that really gets me. I know what I deserve. You don't have to tell me. But to tell me that God loves me and is willing to forgive me, willing to pardon me, willing to make me His child and to share His eternal kingdom with me, that's the thing that gets me. It causes me to turn my heart and life to God and to change The goodness of God leads a man to repentance. And so as God's judgments fall, and as the sun is now scorching men, now again, how this is accomplished is a matter of speculation. We know that the sun shall be darkened before the day of the Lord comes. Moon turned His blood and the sun into darkness. It could be before the sun goes into darkness, it could be that the sun goes into a supernova condition. And we uh, this is a phenomena that we have observed in the universe. As stars that go into this supernova condition, where they heat up for a few days, and increase in their intensity and light, as though they're sort of burning out, and then they seem to just sort of die out. The death of the stars, the supernova condition. Sort of like a light bulb. When the glass is broken, suddenly it will go very bright because the oxygen is now hitting those filaments. But because of the extreme brightness and the oxygen hitting the filaments, the filaments get so hot, then they burn in two and the thing goes out. So, the stars, though it's a different principle, the supernova, we don't know actually what causes supernovas yet. They come extremely brilliant, and then they, they apparently have burned out or something, but the supernova condition. It could be the sun will turn it, it, come into a supernova condition, and imagine what that would do to the people on the earth. If the sun became as a supernova, we do know there's gonna be a dimming effect. And the sun will shine but for a third part and so forth during a part of the tribulation. So this could be supernova. It could be that what is happening during these seven last plagues, this could be that there is a major nuclear holocaust upon the earth. That Russia and the United States and everybody else lets go all of their nuclear weapons. And we know one of the effects of the nuclear weapons being ex- detonated in our atmosphere is the destruction of the ozone blanket, which has already been depleted by all of the f- fluorocarbon gases that were used to pressurize uh, the, the different uh, shaving creams and so forth that we used to have in pressurized cans. And these fluorocarbon gases went on up into the stratosphere combined uh, with the uh, the uh, ozone gases, which is uh, a very unstable gas at best. And as they combined with the ozone, broke it down. And so the prohibition against the fluorocarbons in pressurized cans. But we know also that uh, the... Uh, atom bombs have the same effect to this ozone blanket, which is a protective blanket, which does shield us from much of the ultraviolet rays of the sun. And that seems to be the purpose for God putting the ozone blanket there to protect the earth from the sun's ultraviolet rays. For the exposure to these ultraviolet rays... Causes (laughs) Uh, causes <laughs> running sores. It causes noisome pestilences, really, if you're exposed to ultraviolet rays. Uh, it creates uh, burns, skin cancer. Uh, so, maybe what we have here is a nuclear holocaust. And uh, these are the effects that will happen as the result of a nuclear holocaust. God knows what man's folly will bring to pass as far as natural calamities. It is interesting that God predicted in Isaiah 19 the building of the Aswan Dam. Not only did he predict the building of the Aswan Dam, but he also said all of the ecological damage that would result from the building of that dam. The destruction of the fishing industry, the loss of farmland and crops and so forth, and and the ecological problems that would result from building the Aswan Dam. And he said... You know, that the, the counselors, the, were, were fools because they didn't take into account the ecological damage. Actually, there's been talk of, of blowing up the dam to cure the ecological damage that they've created by the building of the dam. Uh, they have, of course, lost the fishing industry completely that used to, be a great fishing industry around the mouth of the Mediterranean because all of the debris brought by the Nile River uh, fed the fish uh, with the dam now. Uh, all of this uh, nutrients our, uh, are not brought along the Nile River anymore into the Mediterranean. As a result of the dam, they, they do not have any longer the, the silt buildup. So you're getting the saltwater intrusion into all of that rich Delta farmland that used to exist uh, there uh, at the mouth of the Nile where it came into the Mediterranean. Uh, now, it, because you see tons of sand would be brought by the Nile River every year on into uh, the Mediterranean and it formed this beautiful Delta of farmland and all. But that's not happening anymore. In fact, you're starting to get saltwater intrusion. And they have lost more acreage, agricultural acreage than they have gained by their ability now to irrigate with the water, but they've lost more acreage than they've gained. And they've lost the richest kind of acreage. And so... God knows the damage that will take place. And it could be that the Lord here is describing the damage that will result from a massive nuclear holocaust. Men were scorched with the great heat and blasphemed the name of God which had power over these plagues and they repented not to give Him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And so even as God brought darkness upon Egypt, so God brings darkness upon the kingdom of the beast. And again, this could indicate a supernova condition of the sun where it becomes extremely bright uh, for a few days and then uh, becomes dark. And they blasphemed the God of heaven. Men continuing to blaspheme God because of their pain and their sores. And they repented not of their deeds. So the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the waters thereof were dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So God is going to gather together the nations into the area of Israel from the valley of Megiddo to Edom. And so God dries up now the river Euphrates to prepare the way for the kings of the east, China, and all of her vast hordes of people, India, Pakistan, Japan, moving in from the east. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, demons that come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Interesting thing here. Those who have seemed to have had an out-of-body experience, where their spirits have left their bodies and they were presumed dead. Those that have had these out-of-body experiences and had this conscious out-of-body state in which they looked back into the room and saw their bodies and saw the activities that were going on in the room, but they were out of their body observing it. It is interesting that for the most part, these who have had these out-of-body type experiences are aware that as their spirit left their body, it left their body through their mouth. Interesting when you go back in the Old Testament and you read that God breathed into man and he became a living spirit. And those that have these out-of-body experiences will usually testify of their awareness that their spirit left through their mouth and when their spirit came back, it came back in through their mouths. And it's quite—it's—it's it's most common among those who have had the out-of-body experiences to express it as the spirit going forth out of their mouth. Now, the interesting thing is that these spirits, these demonic spirits, go forth out of the mouths. It is also interesting that when Jesus uh, cast out many of the demons, there were the loud screamings from the mouths of the individuals as the demons departed. And so, uh, I don't think it'd do any good to keep your mouth shut. uh, (laughs) But uh, it's just an interesting observation that out of the mouth, of the Antichrist and his false prophet and out of Satan, out of their mouth go these spirits like frogs, demonic spirits. They are spirits of devils, we are told, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. And so, by these demonic forces, the kings of the earth will be gathered together unto the area of Armageddon where they are going to seek to make war against Jesus Christ at His return seek to thwart God's rule over the earth. It is interesting how that men in high places of government today are many of them controlled by demonic spirits. I don't think that you can really explain their actions apart from demonic spirits. The things that Hitler did and those that were in authority with Hitler cannot be explained except by demonic forces taking over their minds. They could not do the inhumane things that they did to man apart from control by demonic forces. And it is very common knowledge that Hitler was directed and guided by men who were masters in uh, what is known and called white magic. Uh, the masters of the uh, spirit, spiritist type of movements actually were guiding and controlling Hitler and uh that it really is the only explanation for the horrible atrocities that these men were able of committing against fellow man and as we look at what's happening in the world today uh we see that actions can only be explained many times of, of by demonic forces they, Going in and the slaughtering of people is just unthinkable to us in in our right minds. How could you do it? How could you order such a thing? But uh, the fact that they are controlled by these demonic forces is the answer. Now, Jesus said, Behold, I come as a thief. He's talking about His return, the second coming. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walks naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. So the Lord declaring his coming, coming soon as a thief, watch, keep your garments. John says, lest we be ashamed at Him at His coming. Not ready. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is finished. This is it. The final plague of this great tribulation period. The final judgment of God upon the earth. It's over now. And now the time has come for Jesus to return in glory and establish God's kingdom. But with this, there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent, sixty to ninety pounds. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great. This describes a tremendous cataclysmic upheaval upon the earth, probably a polar axis shift. And again, uh, a, a collision with an asteroid could be a possible culprit, uh, we do know that in times past there have been tremendous geographical changes where, uh, for whatever reason in the polar axis shift, the, the waters uh, are changed, the ocean floors are changed, and, and suddenly great canyons will open up, the water comes pouring in, and the weight of the water breaking the earth crust and, and causing other thrust areas to be pushed up into the air, new mountains formed, new mountain ranges formed. In his book, Earth in Upheaval, Emmanuel Velikovsky again brings many interesting phenomena from around the earth that show tremendous cataclysmic changes in the historic period of man. Uh, that have created tremendous thrust, mountain ranges and so forth. There, there's an interesting thing he brings out about Lake Titicaca down in Peru, high up there in the Andes, and how that there's a tilt and all on that thing uh, that happened sometime during uh, the period of man's history upon the earth. And uh, Earth in Upheaval, a fascinating book also uh, by this man filled with interesting research. Though I don't necessarily go along with the conclusions that he has drawn, I find that the research that he has done is fascinating indeed. And I, I enjoy reading his books because of the uh, tremendous research that was done thunders lightnings a great earthquake this is not a localized now we have earthquakes around here we are you know existing on a couple of fault lines there's the Newport fault line which they call and then we are close enough to the San Andreas fault line that whenever there's any shift there we get the effects of it here Uh, But these are local earthquakes. The epicenter, you know, is 10 miles off of Newport Beach or the epicenter is down in Imperial Valley and they can pick out the epicenters of of these uh, localized earthquakes. But this is not a localized, this is a worldwide shaking. The earth itself is just going to shake. Now, Isaiah the prophet does also describe this same earthquake in the 24th chapter of Isaiah. Beginning with verse 17, he said, Fear in the pit and the snare, the trap, are upon the inhabitants of the earth. Three things. Fear, snare, and the trap. And it shall come to pass who he that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that comes up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the trap. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shape. Not just a movement on the uh, plates of in a local area, but the whole foundations of the earth are going to shape. And the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners or gathered in the pit and they shall be shut up in the prison. Uh, But after many days, the thousand years, they'll be visited and shall stand, of course, before the Lord for the great white throne judgment. But here Isaiah describes this, Now, again, from a scientific kind of an observation, this does sound much like a polar axis shift as the earth wobbles to and fro like a drunken man and then is moved like a cottage. Uh, They believe that these polar axis shifts take place about every 5,000 years. It is a phenomena that is well known to science. What we call the North Pole today has not always been the North Pole of the earth. The earth has shifted on its axis in the past. And this polar axis shift does create tremendous cataclysmic upheavals around the earth as we uh, told you about the different change of the ocean floors. And, uh, you know, they, they've found... Uh, fossils high up in the Himalayas, which indicates that it was once covered by water. You go up to the south rim of the Grand Canyon and there at 7,000 feet you see uh, the fossils of... uh, shells, a mollusk and so forth, there in the uh, strata you see these fossils which indicates that that was one time an ocean floor. And so that was at one time sea level or below sea level because the water covered the thing. And so there have been these cataclysmic changes It's going to happen again. The earth is going to go into what they call the wobble. And it, it, the earth, it does wobble all the time. I think you know that. Uh, there is this, what they call the wobble effect. And it cycles every seven years. It gets, uh, it seems to peak out and then sort of levels off for a while. And and has just slight wobble. But then it begins to build up. And every seven years, the thing Peaks out on this wobble, but, uh, they feel that sometimes the wobble gets so erratic that the thing like a top flips over. And that, uh, when this does, there, there then is this tremendous cataclysmic, uh, change. Islands fleeing away. I've, you know, said many times I wanted Hawaii probably will not be here in the kingdom. So if he gave me Hawaii to rain, it could be, you know, 10,000 feet under the water or something. You know. So, you know, I'm not too strong on, uh, you know, insisting that I get Hawaii during the kingdom as my uh, sphere of rain. In as much as the whole earth will be restored into the Edenic type of condition, it'll probably be just as beautiful and lush and tropical in Alaska as it would be in Hawaii. So, you know, no matter where you are, it's going to be gloriously beautiful. The whole earth filled with his glory. Out in the middle of the Sahara Desert, there'll be glorious streams and rivers and waterfalls and, and, uh, forest and all for, uh, the desert shall blossom as a rose and there will be rivers in dry places and all as God restores the earth. So, I, you know, I'm for any place He wants to put me. And uh, it's going to be beautiful to be here in that day when the Lord is reigning and righteousness covers the earth and we see the earth as God intended it to be for man when He placed man upon it and told him, to dress it, to keep it, be fruitful, and to multiply. But the judgments of God coming before this great day of the Lord.